Covenant Players is an international Christian theater company, and I was on the first team that went to Africa. Hold and on. So What's it called? Covenant Players. All right. It's a theater, Christian theater thing. I want to do it. I was just saying I want to do it. Okay, um, I'm sorry. And and every team goes out for uh, basically four and a half to five months. Um, during the school year is the the, the frame. So there's January uh, to the end of May and then uh, middle, end of August through December. Um, and everybody gets a geographical area. Well, our geographical area was the continent of Africa. Mm, wow. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. We can go anywhere. And it was interesting. We had 24,000-mile tickets. That meant we, as long as we leave out of Los Angeles, don't go farther east than Nairobi, Kenya, and land back in Los Angeles, having flown fewer than 24,000 miles, we were fine. Wow. <laughs> now, at the end of the trip, it meant that we had to drive from um, a place in Germany west because if we flew out of the city we were in, they'd up, they would drop us off in like Bakersfield with no parachutes. Um, <laughs> because it would have been more than the 24,000 miles. Um, which was, I just, you know, there's funny stories such as on how God puts everything together. Yeah. Um, but we were under the auspices of uh, Youth for Christ. Yeah. And we they, they had set up for us to go to a school um, that was a mixed race school. In South Africa, I mean, this was in 1981. Yeah. Um, and so it was um, interesting in the fact that it was the 20-year celebration for South Africa to be independent. And there were protests all over the place because they're going independent. Who's independent? I mean, they were celebrating their independence from England. Mm, yeah. Um, and, you know, everything there. Well, in, in South Africa at the time, in a sense, there were five races. You were English-speaking white, Afrikaners white, mm. um, black, Indian, and mixed. Mm. Um, and if you were, if you, how, how those five interacted, well, the blacks had no problem killing anybody who was a mixed race because mixed race was an, abom an abomination to God. Mm. That was their comment, and they'd kill them. Mm. Um, and then you have different tribes that were there in South Africa and the blacks. Yeah. You had the Indians that had moved in, and nobody liked them. And then the Afrikaner whites and the English whites, had that was the Boer War. Mm. So they weren't friendly. Um, it, was, it was a place of, of a high degree of conflict. Well, we're going to go to this school, um, and the headmaster at the school goes, well, okay, you can come, but you need to understand, we just finished a week-long protest where the kids didn't show up. Mm. Because they're going, who's free? Who's independent? They, you yeah. know, this you know, this was like totally wrong. Um, and so he goes, you can come up. You can come. And so there were five whites that were going to come to this school. Hmm. Um, and he's going, all right, we'll get them, in the, you know, in the morning. We have a, everybody, you know, stands outside and we have announcements and everything like that. And you can do what you want. Um, I don't know, one, if anybody's going to be there. Or two, when they, they look at you, they don't just turn around and storm out again. Right. Um, well, we are a theater company, and I was asked to do a play called uh, The Blue Max. Now, it is a um, a type of a play that uses like the, the with permission, the Peanuts characters, just yeah. with different names. Yeah. And so I was doing Crosspatch. He's a dog with a great imagination. <laughs> um, and he does battle with the Blue Max, mm. um, which is the the German World War One aces were given a Maximilian cross on a blue sash. And so it was called the blue max. Right. Um, and so that was his enemy. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a mime. I could do this. It's, you know, there are some words to it, but I could, I could have this, the play done in four minutes or 30 minutes. Yeah. It depends on, you know, who the audience is and how much time my leader says, okay, I need you to do it for 15 minutes. Right. Well, you need to choose which one you're going to do. So I, he says, I want you to do this for 12 minutes. So we're doing the play. Um, and when, when we started, there was, you know, that type of rain where you can't see it. You can't really feel it, but if you look up, your face gets wet, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. where it's just there. That's what it started at. Mm. By the time I was done, it was raining. <laughs> <laughs> but by the time I was done, in about a eight-foot arc radius, all there were was faces literally from the ground to about 10 feet high. Wow. On top of I mean, face, 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 face. There was no space, just faces. Yeah. And so you go through and cross pass gets shot down. And the Blue Max, you know, buzzes him over, you know, when he does that. And he goes, I hate you. I hate you. I hate you. Hmm. And then he stops and goes, do you suppose it's all right for a Christian dog to hate the Blue Max? One beat, two beat. And on the third beat, the entire crowd said, no. Hmm. Almost knocked me over. Wow. The intensity of that and the headmaster then pulls our side and says, can you guys just stay for a while? <laughs> you know, can you visit all of the classrooms and just talk to them? Yeah. You know, and you said you were going to have, uh, you know, YWAM was going to do a, a uh, job fair and what people can do and, and possible career path. Can you come and do that? <laughs> um, and so it went, it went from, um, you're not, you know, even if you show up, you're still not going to have access to their heart. Right. Um, and God used a play. Um, a words and a mime that's funny, that they are laughing, but that touched their heart. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, that that's one example of, of some of the things that we get to experience. Yeah. Awesome. Great story. Welcome to The Testament, a podcast that spotlights the amazing real-life stories of everyday people who've been transformed by their surrender to Jesus Christ. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode of one of the many miraculous before and after accounts of lives forever changed by encountering the Savior. Hello, everybody. Welcome to The Testament. My name is Jeff Keck. And I'm Jess Kirchmeyer, and we're here today with my friend Jay Epman. Hi, Jay. Hi, Jessica. Tell us about yourself. Uh, I am uh, in a month, actually, in literally a month, I get to turn 63. So, <laughs> get to. Uh, nice. Okay. <laughs> um, well, to understand, I, I have multiple myeloma cancer. Oh. Um, and I am way beyond a one percenter because mm. I'm the wrong person, the wrong age, the wrong type, the wrong, all of these things, and yet I still got it. Mm. Um, and part of that is I got it when I was 59, and it was never a problem. God and I never had a problem with the fact that I have cancer. Yeah. Um, because when I was, I don't know, 15, I knew I wasn't going to live past 60. Mm. Now, that seems really strange that I get to be, oh, well, you're just going to be turning 63. Well, I had um, all of my bone marrow was killed with radiation, not with radiation, but with, with chemo. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, which by the way, I don't recommend to anybody. That's, <laughs> yeah. it, it's not a nice process. Yeah. And 
So all of the, the things that produce my blood, that produces who I am in the process of my living is gone. Hmm. And it was gone before my 60th birthday. And they put in stem cells, which were my stem cells, yeah. and that whole process. And in that sense, I had a physical rebirth, hmm. a spiritual rebirth long, long time ago. Yeah. But a literal, physical, I am not the same human being. Hmm. And that first human being never lived past 60. Um, so I'm a, I'm a strange human being, in that, in that sense. Um, but I am married, uh, on the 19th of June, it will be our 40th wedding anniversary. Nice. Um, I have two grown children, which I am grateful for now, um, with the horrible economy that we have, both of them are living at home. Mm-hmm. Um, so I get to, uh, spend time and laugh and, um, pray and, and just talk with, with both of them. Um. My mom turns 90 this year. Wow. And we're going up to, to Pittsburgh to be giving a celebration on that. And we're driving, and it's going to be joyful. I mean, with Covenant Players, we drove probably around forty to 50,000 miles a year. Mm. Um, so I'm used to driving. But we get to spend time with my family yeah. talking. Mm-hmm. And then two of them fly home, and my oldest, who's the one writing the book, gets to we get to just spend time um, with each other and laughing. And we did some of that today, and um, it's a good thing. Yeah. Uh, so I have a degree. Uh, well, let me put it: I, my original going to college was as a mechanical engineer, and I flunked out. <laughs> totally, totally. Uh, lost it, and that would lead in. That's where I would start, as far as my testament goes. Hmm. Um, but other things about me, uh, I am a servant of God. Uh, that is where my goal is. That is what I want to be able to do. That's what I want to be able to say. Um, my hope is that when I when I get to see Jesus, He can look at me and just say, "Well done, my good and faithful servant." Yeah. Um, and I don't need anything else past that. There's, there's no reward there. It is, I am grateful. Mm. Um, and there are so many things, um, and, you know, that I've done and, and had enjoyed and have traveled and, um, you know, a lot of people, uh, do their job and they do that for 40 years and they try to save up the money. And then when they, they retire, which we've talked about that they, um, now, okay, now we're going to travel and we're going to do, all, well, I did all the traveling ahead of time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but now, yeah, I still, retirement doesn't mean you can't still yeah. have income and, right. and still have yeah. to work and everything like that. So we're still doing that part. Um, I love wood carving. If I had my druthers, if I had opportunity, I would uh, like to be a luthier, mm-hmm. um, which is for the everyone in the audience. That means I would make violins and uh, violas and mm-hmm. cellos and I think that would be so cool. Yeah. Um, and there's a school in Chicago. It's only one of them in the United States. Uh, but I could learn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, we're never we're never not learning. We should learn every day. That's right. Something I tell my kids, I ask my kids at the end of every class period, did you learn something today? Mm. Uh, and hopefully that answer will always be yes. <laughs> and then my response is, then it's a good day. Yeah. Every day you learn something, it's going to be a good day. Yeah. Every day that you have that opportunity to grow and to stretch and to be more than you were when you woke up. Yeah, great. Cool. So let's get to that testimony. Um, Jade, tell us about how you came to know Jesus as your Savior. What was your life like before um, you knew him? How did you 
how'd you meet him and, and how's your life been changed since? Um, I, my grandfather, my maternal grandfather, uh, was a Presbyterian pastor. Um, and in terms of retirement, like he, he was the pastor of like the largest, uh, church in Lincoln, Nebraska, uh, retired, moved to Louisville, Kentucky and took on three more churches. Hmm. Um, cause like I said, you don't, you don't stop doing right. stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I, I grew up with the idea of you're supposed to go to church and we went to a Methodist church or Presbyterian churches or assembly of God churches, um, variety of things. My dad was vehemently opposed to the organized church. Um, and so I've never had a, 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 a non-knowledge that God was real. Um, but the, the understanding that God knows who I am was that before and after. Um, when I was at a small Presbyterian school, uh, the first time, and I said that I, you know, I, I flunked out being a mechanical engineer. I actually have patents in my name and, you know, a bunch of things like that. So it's <laughs> yeah. not that I couldn't do it. I just didn't do it. You know, <laughs> huge difference between those two. Um, but everything that when I tried to do something, when I tried to do it on my own, when I, the, where the I was the biggest part of that, right. um, I was failing. And not being successful, I did not have the will to be right. I could not do it. Um, and it's not that I can do it now, but through God's grace, I can participate in his working through my life to be right, where I can hopefully get out of the way. Right. Um, but I was flunking out. Um, I went to this school and at the end of the first year, I had like 37 credit hours at a, at a 3.5. And three semesters later, I had a 2.0. Mm. And they just quietly said, maybe you should think about doing something else because <laughs> you, you don't want to be here. And I was going, yeah. Um, and so I had some class that was going to be in the auditorium. And so one of the rare times I actually was going to class that day. Um, and I got there and there were these people that were going to do a play. What? I says, okay, well, I'm here. Well, I leave. So watch the play. Um, very powerful. Um, spoke to my heart on, um, the understanding that God will work things out. Hmm. And I'm sitting there, um, audience left side, on the aisle, middle aisle, and I heard the person sitting next to me say, that's where I want you to be. Hmm. And I went, okay. And I turned, that was the aisle. Hmm. There wasn't anyone there. But it was a clear, I'm going to cry. <laughs> I mean, this is so important to me. A clear, audible voice. Hmm specifically to me, that's where I want you to be. Okay. So I go up, you know, when we talk to them and, and I end up, and this is Covenant Players, and end up joining, um, going out. Now, when I told my dad this, I got disowned. <laughs> you know, my dad is a mechanical engineer. My, my brother is a mechanical engineer and an MBA and is getting his PhD in chemical engineering. My sister is a PhD in um, industrial engineering. My mom has her PhD. And I'm, I am the worst educated person in my family um, at this point. But at that point, I didn't have anything because I'm flunking out of college and I'm, you yeah. know, going to go off into, into what? Theater? <laughs> I mean, that was not something I was allowed to do in high school. You know, playing sports, that was okay. Singing yeah. in the choir. Well, that was like the, the, the absolute 
we'll let you get away with that, but nothing else. Yeah. I wasn't allowed to do theater. And, and that was one of my dreams was to perform for small audiences and travel, which is what Covenant Players does. Yeah. Um, and so got out to California um, and huge change in the fact that these were people who had no money, who were there to serve God. And to go and you get in a van with three other people and you travel to your area. My first area was in the basically the state of Florida. Mm. Um, and I want to tell this because, again, you said, what was the difference? Um, I still had this clockwork image of God, right? I cannot fathom people who will say, well, God doesn't exist. Yeah. How can you look around and say God right. doesn't exist? Um, and there are a lot of you know, ways that you can interpret that and everything like that. But, but God's creation screams out his existence. Um, and if we don't praise him, the rocks will cry out in praise because right. that's what God made him to do. Um, and so knowing that, that God existed, okay, I heard the voice. That was, there was no question. This is where I'm supposed to be. Um, but I still have this clockwork image that, okay, God, God made the world. Yes, absolutely. He set it up. Absolutely. It works. And I, I went back to school and got a, a degree in physics. Okay. It works. It's really cool. Uh, but it is amazing that, okay, it works. But God set it up to work. He's smarter than I am. Okay. He doesn't need to come back and tweak it. It works because that's what he said he was going to do. Mm -hmm. And again, that's that clockwork image. And it's not, I don't need a God that, that would come back in every year and wind it up because, no, it's already working. Right. Right? But did he know me? No, because it was set up. This is, you know, what we're supposed to do. Um, Presbyterians have a, um, oh, my gosh, mine just went blank, predestination. Yeah. All right. Um, and there's arguments you could do for, you sure, know, and, yeah, yeah. and the whole concept of time and does it, uh, whatever. There are a lot of fun <laughs> things that we do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but does he care about me? Does he know me? All right. Well, we are in Florida. You could tell which way the wind was going by. Did it rain at 10 o'clock in the morning or 2 o'clock in the afternoon? Right. <laughs> that was east or west. It was, it was amazing how consistent that was. But it was also, we went there in August, right? And we had a van, and the van had air conditioning. And if you put your hand on the vent, you could feel the air conditioning. <laughs> but nothing passed. But nothing passed <laughs> at all, okay? Yeah. And we got, I got to wear a suit and a tie mm. and oh my gosh. And it was humid and hot. It was horrible. Well, we finally had a weekend, you know, it's now in September, um, where I could basically take the dash apart to find out because the air conditioning worked, but the blower didn't work. Nothing was there. All right. I tore the whole thing apart and got it down to the fact that there was a fan switch mm -hmm. that had fried. Mm. Okay. Not a problem. About a mile down the road, because we're in a church parking lot, about a mile down the road, there's an auto parts store. So I go to um, the unit leader, who now is my wife, so she's still my unit leader. Uh, <laughs> you know, and, and I was already in love with Jerry Lynn. She's just an amazing lady. Well, um, I asked her if I could have like 10 bucks so I could walk down and get the the fan part, the just the, the switch, because right. I mean, any I could basically just work it out. Um, and she goes, well, have you prayed about it yet? <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> well, this is God's money. You can't spend God's money without praying about it first. 
what? <laughs> Are you nuts? <laughs> it took me four hours to break down the front of the dash. Yeah. You want me to put the whole thing back together again without fixing it first? <laughs> Are you nuts? <laughs> now, I couldn't say the Are You Nuts part because I loved her. Yeah. <laughs> what am I going to do? Oh, this is horrible. <sighs> okay. Okay. So put it all together. And she goes, well, we have a program Sunday night. Why don't you just share with the audience what, you know, what, what the needs are? Okay. <laughs> so that Sunday night, um, at the end of the program, we're, you know, introducing everybody. We good. It was a, I don't remember what plays we did. It doesn't mm -hmm. matter. But after, you know, explaining that, that we had a need for the vehicle and a guy comes up and he goes, uh, can you just come out to, to, with me to, to my car? So we go out to his trunk and he opens up and he's got car parts catalogs. He works for a car part distributor for the, the entire Southeast of the United States. Mm. And he's an admin part. I mean, you know, he's the white collar worker and doing all those things. And so he pulls out all these things and we, we worked it through and he goes, oh man, for, for the vehicle you have, it's a dealer part. Hmm. And I looked at it and says, now, but don't you have just regular switches? And he goes, well, I have, you know, like this switch, which is really common. Um, hey, and I looked at it, he goes, it's got all the right parts. I can make it work. I mean, you know, duct tape, a little bit of pliers, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, coat hanger. I don't care. I'd get yeah. it to work. Yeah. And he goes, okay, well, where are you going to be the rest of the week? Um, and we said we had like a youth lock-in. Oh, sorry. We had a youth, youth lock-in on Friday. Um, or he came on either like the Friday or the Saturday. And here's the story that he tells, right? He works in a place that is, has the warehouse that distributes for all of Florida. Mm. Um, and that's, you know, for like 400 stores. I don't know, what it, whatever, some huge amount, right? Um, and he works in like the front offices, and if you go through this middle door out into this huge warehouse where they have bins that are like four feet wide, three feet deep, three feet high. Right. When, and that's where all their, their parts go into. And then they fill the orders from the parts and do all those things. And this switch, they, they have hundreds of them. I mean, they usually, you know, it, it, it's there. All right. Well, when you go out this door on either side of you, they have these big green metal shelves. And those were all special order parts. Um, usually, you know, not, not really crowded or anything like that, but if there's something that they had to order from someone else or not a normal supply, right. it would go there because they didn't have a place in the warehouse. Right. All right. So he finally remembers and like on Thursday or Friday, he goes and walks out the doors, goes to the place in the, in the warehouse where this switch is supposed to be. He gets to the bin, empty. Hmm. It's never empty. He looks at that and goes, Okay. I'm not supposed to be the one that's to fulfill their need. That it must be, you know, doing something else. So he starts walking back to his office. And he's walking, looking at those, green, those special order shelves. Totally empty. Except for one box that has five months of dust on it. Hmm. And he's starting to walk to go into, into the door. And he's looking at this box and going, nah. <laughs> nah. Can't, can't, can't be. He stops and you go, okay, I got to at least go over and look, yeah. right? He goes, it's the dealer part. Mm. It's not one that we'd have to jury rig. It was the actual dealer part mm. that was ordered in February and never picked up. Wow. This is September. God set in motion what was needed to happen so that I could know that God knew my needs, mm. that God loved me so much, he would fix the air conditioning and fix it, not jury-rigged, mm -hmm. not, not haphazardly, 
but with the finest parts right. and the best things available. Mm. Uh, that has never left me, mm. that God knows who I am. Warts and all, my problems, my failures, my sins, that he loves me mm. and celebrates with me in the joys, holds me in the struggles, carries me when I can't do it on my own, um, and has never left. Yeah. Uh, and that change to know, to absolutely know, to change from that clockwork image that God made the world, no problem. I understood that. God was real, not a problem. To the fact that God knew who I was. Oh, wow. That is amazing. Mm. Um, and that was 42 years ago. Yeah. So in your travels with Covenant Players, um, that's like just so far since we've been here, we've heard two, you know, stories of how God has kind of pulled through on that uh, in your time with Covenant Players. Um, so this, this is, tell me what, this is an international Christian it, theater? International group? Repertory Theater Company. Started by Charles. Still around today, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Started by Charles Tanner. Are you signing uh, up, Jeff? Um, <laughs> thinking about it, yeah. Uh, he, he's a, he was a playwright. Um, and so he had a small group of people that um, would perform some of his plays and things like that. And he was writing Christian plays and they would perform in churches. And a lot, and a lot of his original people that he had in his group, his, his drama group, uh, were not Christians. Mm. And he goes, well, why do we perform in churches? And he goes, but that's where the audience is. Mm -hmm. Um, and eventually you're performing those plays and you're, you're listening to what those things are. And he would invite them for Bible studies. And most of those, um, were baptized and became believers and it grew. Um, obviously the COVID protocols, uh, yeah. shut it down. Yeah. Um, yeah. and so they, they, it is not as robust if we can use that as the word I want. Um, now as so they need was, actors to build it back. Oh, up. absolutely. Okay. <laughs> I got you. I, I got what you're saying here. Okay, so you spent all, how many years were you with them? Almost twenty. Okay, twenty years with them. You've told you've told us two stories already of God pulling pulling through. I would imagine there's going to be hundreds more. Oh yeah. Um, and, and, do, you, do you think that in that twenty year time that you spent with them? Um, doing mission work and doing, you know, sharing the gospel and things like that. Is that is that what made you grow stronger and closer to Christ through that opportunity that you were a part of? Oh, yeah. Um, and where, okay, there, there, an example. Um, our, our mission area was the Iberian Peninsula. Mm -hmm. And so we had Andorra, Spain, Portugal, and Gibraltar. Um, we were in, um, north of Barcelona and, oh, Zaragoza, mm -hmm. uh, and there's a military base there. And there, there, you know, so there were English, we had pockets of English. Right. Okay. Um, and so we were at a military base, we had housing, we had food, we could do more programming and, and they would, you know, support us doing that way. Um, but m both my wife and I just absolutely knew God was saying, you need to go to Barcelona. Mm. And he goes, okay, but we don't have any money. It says, doesn't matter. Go to Barcelona. But if we go to Barcelona, we're going to end up with a quarter of a tank of gas and about enough money to buy each other a Coke. Yeah. <laughs> and that was it. And he goes, but you need to go to Barcelona. 
and says, okay, so we talked to the other two. There were four of us. Um, and we've, uh, this is what we're feeling that, that God wants us to do. And in the prayers and, you know, in the scripture, it says, uh, be obedient and just go out. And when Jesus sent everybody out in pairs, he says, don't take anything with you. Just go. Okay. So we drove and we got there and we didn't know anybody, didn't have any contacts. Um, so we started calling the churches or walking to the churches. While we were walking to the churches, our vehicle got broken into, went to the police and he goes, what did you expect? It's Barcelona. And we're like, okay. Um, you know, new experience here. Um, but eventually there was a, a, a church that said, all right, well, you can sleep in the church. Um, now, <laughs> they don't have central heating or central air conditioning. And right. this was maybe February at this point. Mm. Um, cold, mm. um, windy, mm -hmm. but it's what we had. Well, this church was set up in what used to be a meatpacking plant. Mm. So in the middle of the building, they had this big freezer. <laughs> but what did that mean? It means we could shut the door and it wasn't windy. Yeah. And with the four people in body heat, I mean, we got that place up to like 60 degrees. <laughs> it was awesome. And I don't know, we, we were singing and just praising God till maybe two, three o'clock in the morning. Mm -hmm. And we finally went to bed, um, slept. We got up um, having devotions and the pastor of the church comes in and goes, all right, who are you? <laughs> and well, because it was like the youth pastor that said yeah. you can sleep in the church. Yeah. And and it, you know, but he he asked us and and so we're explaining and we we did a couple of short plays for him so he could see what what it is that we're doing, um, both in English and in Spanish. Um and he goes, Okay, we can use you here, here, here. I'm gonna call some people, we'll get you some housing, get some food, you know. And for like a week and a half, we were busy every day. Wow. Because it was simply go. Yeah. And when I said that, you know, I, I told you earlier that I am now unemployed. Mm -hmm. That's part of it. You know, other people have said, well, don't quit the job until you have another one lined up. And he says, I can't do that. Yeah. Um, I just need to step out. And so, yeah, I'm 63 and I'm still doing that because I think that's what God needs me to do. Um, direct mission field in terms of being a missionary with covenant players, no question. Being a teacher at Martin, no question, a mission field. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, being a teacher for all of them, uh, it has to be a calling because it's not one you're going to get rich at. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that's where I want to shift next. So, like, because I knew you, I met you because my husband and my sister-in-law both had you at Martin um, as their physics teacher, and they both both recommended me you to me um, to be on the show, and um, they both spoke like highly of you as a teacher and as a person, um, which I understood because you would do this physics night at Jack in the Box every Thursday for like nothing that wasn't required. It wasn't part of your job to do that, but you would go and do that mm -hmm. and students would show up and you'd have all those conversations. So I guess it's kind of a couple part question, but how did you get go from theater to teaching? And then um, how do your beliefs affect your teaching like how do how does um how yeah how does your belief in god affect what you do there okay um first of all covenant players has offices around the country and when we we my first my oldest child was born in england um so when we're coming back to the united states we were set to the office here in the metroplex um 
before my dad died, I had promised him I would get a degree. So we're living in Arlington. We are, are it's myself and another, or Jerry Lynn and I and another couple are running this office. And in the office means we're going to support all of the teams in the Southwest. So sometimes drive four or five hours to help them with the program because they need a, another person, whatever it is, um, when they're having arguments, you know, be a mediator, whatever we needed to do as office personnel um, to get that done. But we're in Arlington. We still have to pay bills. We had to do all those things. And so um, we also then, Mike and I were umpires. Uh, for a variety of different sports, doing everything. Um, and there are stories on that one, too. Um, <laughs> you know, being a Little League umpire is an experience. Um, but doing the um, promising my dad to get the degree, we're, in, we're there. UTA was, you know, a bike ride away. Yeah. Um, and I'm going, okay. And God's going, yeah, sometimes I need to really hit you over the head. But like, this one's obvious. So it's okay. So I applied to UTA and they turned me down. Hmm. Well, because I flunked out the first one. So, and I had too many strikes, right? I'm going to try to come back. I'm already past 30. Um, I flunked out of my first one. I haven't done anything that uses any, I mean, because, you know, tell them coming to players and they're like, yeah, right. Um, <laughs> No educational experience, nothing. And universities still get graded on how fast they graduate you, right? Mm -hmm. Four years is okay. Three years is great. Five years, eh, not too good, but not graduating. And they look at me going, yeah, you're not going to graduate because you didn't graduate the first time. Mm -hmm. So I had to convince them that how about we, you know, I know you have, you know, special classes to go to. I'll do those. Whatever it is, just let me do it. Um, at the end of the first semester, because I had taken physics and calculus and all these other things, and I had a straight A's, and they're going, yeah, you don't need to do those things anymore. You can stay, <laughs> which was nice. Um, but I was looking at what, what career could I have where I could be moved anywhere in the country to do one of these um, regional offices, and I could still pick up side money. Yeah. Well, being a referee works for that point, but you right. got to get into whatever the local associations are. Right. So that's problematic on can you find the ones, can you, you know, and, and do that. Um, but boy, being a substitute teacher, <laughs> you can drop down, you know, you, you, whatever, wherever you are, you sign up and they're going to, they're going to have that. Yeah. Well, I, I, had, I had already started to do some substitute teaching and it was really funny. I'd sign up for whatever the job was. I'd get to the school and they'd look at me and go, We've got a different job for you. Hmm. And it was always in school suspension. They look at me and it's like, you know, it doesn't matter what the job was I originally signed up for. I knew where I was going. <laughs> um, but being a substitute teacher means that I could be transferred to, we could go to other offices. I could just yeah. walk in and have income because the, the regional offices don't get paid a lot. Um, and you still have to have a house and you got to pay the bills. Um, and I always want to make sure that you pay the bills. We're not, it's not our purpose to be uh, dependent. I, I like Paul's attitude of, you know, uh, fixing tents, making tents, the, yeah. the, you know, not to be a financial burden, but to, to take care of, of yourself and let God do that, but mm -hmm. still be willing to do whatever's necessary. So that's where that, that came from. My mom was a teacher. My mom's the best teacher that I know. Um, she was in taught in the university and she was teaching teachers how to teach. Mm. Now, that means that every every little thing that came out when we were growing up, we got tested <laughs> with. Okay. The Myers Briggs type yeah. indicator, the all you know, anything was there. Like now and I've taken the Myers Briggs enough times you could tell me, say, I want you to be this person. 
And I can answer the question, so I would be that person. <laughs> My mom didn't believe me when I told her that once. Dude, you can't do that. <laughs> mom <laughs> says, all right, what do you want me to be? And we took it and said, oh, JB. Yeah. <laughs> she was funny. Um, but being a teacher is who I am. I think it is who God made me to be. And that process of going, of flunking out, failing, mm -hmm. is an important part of who I am. Because I can look at students who are intelligent, who are, are capable, and they are making stupid choices. Mm -hmm. Because stupidity has nothing to do with intellect. Stupidity has to do with what you choose and what your will is doing. Um, and I can talk to them and say, look, I know what it means to fail. I know what it means to flunk out of college. I did that. You really don't want to experience that. If that's where the pathway that you have to go, hey, I'll walk with you, but you really don't want to do that. Um, and to be able to have realistic conversations um, with people. And so that that process, the things that God used in the building of my life, um, I've been able to put into ministry, into where how I talk to the kids. In terms of when you're in a public school, cannot use class time. Mm -hmm. But if they ask me a question that deals with what is my uh, philosophical or religious background or what I'm going to do in terms of that, it's to say, you can come back at lunch. And I'll be more than happy to answer that. Um, and we would be able to do that. Now, the jack-in-the-box occurred because I knew that the way I teach physics is hard. Mm -hmm. And if you ask them, um, it was probably the hardest class they had. Because that's what that was the comment most people would have yeah. is the class was the most important to them, but it was the hardest they had. No question at all. Um, and that was even for people who love math and science. Mm -hmm. But I'm asking them to change from a regurgitation process of learning, which in public school, we teach our kids how to regurgitate. Mm -hmm. That the teacher says this, this and this. And as long as you can give that, that, that back exactly the way the teacher gave it, 100s, way to go. But did you learn anything? No, but I know that those were the answers to those questions. Yep. <laughs> doesn't I know what doesn't know what it means? Doesn't you know? I can't compare it to something else. I can't actually use it to do problem solving. But I got a one hundred, <laughs> and then they came to my class, <laughs> and I'd ask them questions that were nothing like that we did in class, mm -hmm. but and yet they were exactly like we did in class, yeah. and so that they had to learn how to think, which is painful, mm -hmm. and I understand that. Um, talk about the fact that when you learn, if you learn something. Your brain physiologically is different after the learning than it was before. Mm -hmm. If there's not a difference in your brain, you could not have learned something because learning something means you changed. Well, how, how, if, you're, if you're building muscles, you know, in a gym, what do you do? You work them, you work them, you work them. At the end of the, at the, end of the workout, what are you? Tired and sore. <laughs> okay. Well, if you work in your brain, you're going to have a headache. And a lot of times the kids, you know, my students leave, oh, my head hurts. And I'm, I'm, just getting, I'm getting excited because I've said these very things so many times. I, I teach police officers how to be instructors. Oh, God bless you. Right. So you <laughs> go through and you talk about what change is. What is learning? Learning is a change, right? Mm -hmm. If you come in the room and leave the room the same, nothing. No, right. Right. But if you change that affective domain or that cognitive domain or whatever so that they've changed some way of thinking, 
or doing when they leave than what they came in. I've said that speech so many times. I love it. But then <clears throat> it's obvious that you were called to teach, right? So mm -hmm. it doesn't matter if it's classroom, school, high school, church, evangelism, or whatever. You have that calling to teach. Um, you should get a book. It's called uh, Call to Teach by William Yount. Uh, William Yount was uh, he's a professor at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary, I think. But he, he wrote this book called To Teach. And if you look at the teaching principles, when you teach someone how to teach, right, and you look at all the different things that you do as a teacher to facilitate that learning process, he takes all those things right there and he ties them into Scripture and shows how Jesus basically did all these things when he taught. It's really cool. Anyway, oh, I throw that with in the I know, with the parables, what did he do? And then what did the disciples go? Uh, you know, he because he would teach the crowds, right? And he would tell the parables and he'd tell the stories. Um, and it was a story. And I have to admit, I teach with stories, mm -hmm. which I, I think that in teaching physics, it's all stories. Yeah. I mean, yeah. physics is how we live. So, right. you know, it's there. But Jesus, he, he, he told stories. And afterwards, right, they go back to their camp and the disciples go, huh? Jesus, mm -hmm. what did it mean? And he had such patience. Oh, yeah. You know, um, because he would say, and then he explained it to him because there's different levels. Mm -hmm. Are there people in the, the in the crowd that he did that got it? Absolutely. Are, are, did, he, did he need to break it down into the simplest things? Absolutely. Well, he would say the same story three different ways mm -hmm. to hit all of the people that needed to be yeah it's awesome sorry so <laughs> no i'm gonna i'm gonna agree and you know communication doesn't happen until change occurs yeah so Great. if we if we are those that are responsible to communicate the gospel of christ to the world which is the great commission unless there's a change we haven't done the job mm -hmm. that's right that's right mm. so you've been married for 40 years 40 years Okay, that's awesome. In, 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 in a couple of weeks. Almost 25 for me. What are you, 10? I'll be 10 this year. Yeah. Congratulations. Uh, so um, that that's an awesome achievement there, um, 40 years. What would you— Oh, my if, wife's if a you, saint. If you, <laughs> we'll just put it that way. If you go back 40 years and you get a chance to talk to your newlywed self, what would you tell them? Don't be stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Great advice. Heard it here um, first. <laughs> well, again, I, like I said earlier, stupidity has nothing to do with intellect, heart, or anything else. It has to do with willful choice. Mm. Um, I, I, I think in that sense that sin is that in which we actively are stupid. Mm. Um, not, it's, I mean, okay, as, as an example, and I don't know who your audience is, and I don't mean to you know, tick anybody off, um, is smoking a sin. It would be for me because God says, don't put anything that will get between you and God. Right. All right. Well, okay. I'm overweight. Why? Because I eat too much because that indulgence, that gluttony, that, that area of, of not being able to control that. If I smoked, I could not stop. Hmm. I know myself well enough to know that that's not, not I just couldn't, mm -hmm. I don't have the ability to do that. I, you know, and so I'm not going to start Yeah. because if I started, that would be the sin because then I would purposefully be choosing to put something between me and God that I couldn't get rid of mm -hmm. for somebody else. I don't know their walk in life. Mm -hmm. That's between them and God. Is, is that between them and God? I, I'm not going to be able to judge that. Yeah. And so it is that willful choice 
to do something that is sinful. That, um, and to know that God still loves me. That's, you know, that God walks right next to me, even when I'm being stupid. Mm. Um, and so when I say, you know, and I know you laughed, that says, don't be stupid. But, but that level of subtlety in the understanding of don't be stupid. It's simply don't be willfully wrong. Mm. Un try to understand. You're going to make mistakes. Mm -hmm. um, my wife and I had uh, one of the agreements was, you know, never go to never, never both go to bed or go to sleep angry yeah. at each other. We can yeah. be mad at something else, yeah. but not at each other. Uh, and we've been pretty good at that for the 40 years. Um, not perfect. Um, but that was good. When we, in raising children, we had the advantage that we would, um, you know, sometimes visit somebody, we'd stay in their house, and we'd come back a year later. And while we were in the house, we we're observing, you know, what were their choices in parenting? And we could come back a year later and see what the results were <laughs> on their choices in parenting. Right. Um, and so before our children were born, because we're older parents, I mean, my, you know, I'm 63 and my oldest turns 30 hmm. um, tomorrow. Um, no, turns 31. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, so we, I appreciate God's guidance to that. Um but seriously, Jay, don't be stupid. Yeah. Um, yeah. Don't be willfully hurtful. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because those are those those are the things um, that I would like to get rid of. Yeah. Uh, in the yeah. past, uh, the other thing is um, be courageous. Mm. You know, there it, it's it's amazing to try to help uh, eighteen year olds, seventeen year olds, sixteen year olds understand that. Right now, you regret the things you do. Mm -hmm. That when you do something wrong, particularly if you get caught, uh, hopefully if you do something wrong, even if you don't get caught, you still regret it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but more often than not, most people they only they only regret it if they get caught. But you you regret what you what what you did. Right. At my age, you regret what you didn't do, mm. what you didn't finish. Um, and I'll tell a story on this one. Um, when. When we were younger, my my parents built a a thing that goes on top of the van. It was a camper. I mean, this was, you know, hand-built and all of those things. And the kids would each have a seat in the van. That's where we'd sleep. And my mom and dad would sleep in this camper on the top and everything like that. But we traveled a bunch of different places. Um, and we were in upstate New York. And we were on a, a hiking path. And I don't know, I was five. I, I really don't remember how old I was, but I know that I was whining. <laughs> and we're walking this path, and I was whining. And my dad finally said, just take him back to the campsite. I can't stand this anymore. So I never got to the top of the mountain. <laughs> oh, man. Never got to the top of the mountain. And that was like, I need to do that. So when people have their bucket list, <laughs> right, one of the things was, Get to the top of the mountain. The Didn't know what mountain it was, but I knew I needed to get to the top of the mountain. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, when I'm, I don't know, junior in high school, my brother was in college. He he comes home and says, we're going to go to upstate New York and go camping for, for a couple of weeks. So we go up there, uh, Johnsbrook Lodge, beautiful place. Um, and you do day hikes. There's there's pathways all, all, all over the place. Um and they give you a packed lunch, so you go off. And, and we went up to the top of Mount Marcy. Mount Marcy is the highest mountain in New York. Um, 
left our lunch there, went around, went down the backside of Mount Marcy, up to another mountain, went back down that one. And now we realize that the pathway we need to go on starts at the bottom of that. But our lunches were at the top. <laughs> so we had to climb all the way back up the steep side. The, the front side of Mount Marcy is this walking path. Yeah. Well, guess what? That walking path was the path that I whined about <laughs> when I was like five years old. So not only did I climb the top of the mountain, I did it twice in one day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so God has a sense of humor sometimes when, you know, you are fulfilling some right. of those bucket lists and, yeah. and, and finishing those things that are, are do them. Yeah. Be courageous. Step out on faith. Yeah. Okay. Let's continue this fun. This has been a good conversation. I've liked this. Um, so for our special segment today, we're going to do a spelling bee. And so I have the, um, we're not going to do all 20, but I have the 20 most. <laughs> 20 words. No, we're not going to do all 20. <laughs> but I have the 20 most commonly misspelled words in the English language. Oh, no. That's not fair. Well, I, we're not going to get any of them then. <laughs> all right, go ahead. So um, I'll give you each like three or four of them and, and we'll go from there. Uh, okay, Jeff, your word is definitely. Oh, <laughs> you know how many times I start typing that just to get autocorrect to tell me what it is or the predictive I, word? That I just hope that the article I got these from spelled them right. <laughs> that would be good. <laughs> D-E-F-I-N-I-T-E-L-Y. You're right, good oh, job. Bam. Jay, your word is separate. S-E-P-A-R-A-T-E. -E. Yeah, you're correct. You win. But you're going to win the whole game, by the way. It's just for that. <laughs> there you go. Um, Jeff, your word is embarrass. E-M-B-A-R-A-S-S. -S. Oh, you forgot another R. Oh, two R's. Two R's, two S's. Okay, Jay, your word is occurrence. A C C U R A N C E. No. Oh. E N C E. Yep. O C C U R R E N C E. Oh man. Yep. Okay. Three more. Jeff, your word is consensus. C O N S E N S U S. Oh, you got it right. Look at you. Oh, you are gonna win. I um, tried to type these in my brain. <laughs> <laughs> Jay, your last word is unnecessary. Okay, U-N-N-E-S, no, N-E-C-A-S, no, unnecessary, <laughs> U-N-N-E-C-E-S-A-R-Y. So close. There is one more S. U N N E C E S S A R Y. Okay. Your last word bureaucracy. B U R E A U C R A C Y. Golly. Is that right? Jeff's on fire today. Oh, yeah. 
You normally don't win those. <laughs> <laughs> I do not win things on this show, especially if she's making my questions. <laughs> good job, good wow. job. You're a winner today. All right, Jay, we always finish up by asking our guests what their favorite scripture is. Um, and we know that that's a hard thing to ask sometimes, but it could be a verse, a storyline, a book, um, or just a segment of scripture that continuously touches your heart. Um, can I do two different things? Sure. The life of Peter. Yeah. Um, Peter so enthusiastically blew it. Hmm. Uh, and and the story that, that I would want to encourage is, right, um, Jesus has finished preaching on one side of the lake. And he sends he sends them off uh, so that he can be alone. Um, and, you know, they're going across the lake and struggling. I don't know whether the, the wind died and now they're rowing or whatever it is. And they see Jesus walking on the water. And Peter goes, is that Jesus? And then the other side was, no, nah, no. Nah, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's Jesus. And Peter goes, Jesus, can I come out and play too? <laughs> right? And he jumps over the side of the, because Jesus, yeah, come on out. Paraphrased, of course, oh, right? Yeah, <laughs> well, I said it's a story, right? Yeah. And he jumps over the side and he's going out to Jesus. This is great. Then he looks down and he goes, oh, I'm walking on water. <laughs> and he sinks. Because as long as Peter had his mind and his focus on Jesus, there was nothing he couldn't do. Mm -hmm. And when you look down into what the, the situation was, sure, the reality of the situation is always going to be there. But when that overcame him, mm -hmm. that, that he would lose where he was, lose the power that he had in Christ, and fail. Mm -hmm. uh, the other part would be to take on the armor of God. Mm -hmm. Because it is the armor of God. It's not our armor. It's not what we make. It's not um, anything that I created, but that God allows me to have that he makes. Um, and very specifically covers everything that needs to be covered. Yeah. Awesome. Jay, it's been great to have you on the show. Thank you for being here. My pleasure. Pretty simple. You ever done a podcast before? Mm -hmm. Sweet. <laughs> I've been on stage. I've performed yeah. 10,000 times. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I don't mind not, not done this. Yeah, I don't mind public speaking at all. I, I rather, I actually love public speaking. I love, you know, I don't say that we're preaching, but, you know, I love preaching in, in front of youth and things like that. But this is so much better. <laughs> <laughs> it's written on there. Is it on where? On your question that you're going to ask, number four. Okay, good. Good. <laughs> okay, this one's hard. I'm sorry. Jay, your word is maneuver. Uh, M-A-N-E, no, U-E or E-U-V-E-R. Oh, no. No. M-A-N-O-E-U-V-R-E. What? There's no O in maneuver. There is, right? According to that, According to that website. <laughs> According to this website. That's, that's, that's why you, like you said, that's why you just type <laughs> it and let it autocorrect. We go on. <laughs> okay. Do you want me to do it? I forgot what didn't the rule you, was. Okay, you did it. you forget your you rule? You do it. Okay. <laughs> that's it. We fight over that's who it. does the ending. <laughs>
Gotcha. <laughs> and last time, last week we were here, he made this rule like, okay, well, if this happens, then this person does it. Or like, if this person starts it, whatever. I don't remember. And the he rule. doesn't remember. It's whoever's first. It's been a pleasure, man. Appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> If you want to know more about who Jesus is, you can go to shockwaveministries.com and click on the gospel message. There you will find scripture references about who Jesus is and the plan of salvation, as well as different resources and references provided by our guests to help you through your walk with Christ. You can also click on the Testament tab where you will find a link to all of our podcasts and see our most recent podcast episodes that have been launched. Also on the Testament tab, you can drop us a line. Let us know what you think, if you have any comments or ideas for us, or point us to someone you think would make a great guest on our show. Be sure to like and share share our Facebook page at facebook.com slash the Testament podcast. We'll make sure you know when each of our episodes launch and even give you a heads up on what episode is coming up with our Feature Friday posts. And if you see myself or Jess out and about, ask us for a business card. That's right. So we printed business cards with a QR code on them that leads your smartphone to our show. So thanks everyone for listening. Bye. Bye.